Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode number 289, recorded on Wednesday the 27th of November 2019 at 21.56.30. First of all, apologies for delays. It has been at least two weeks since the last episode. Let me bore you with some reasons, but the main one was that I was bummed about YouTube issues, which we'll get to later, especially if you have been following my too many tweet, you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's just put it down to an overly artistic temperament. The other reason for even more delays, because this was supposed to be taped on Sunday, was that I just conked out on Sunday. And then during the week I was busy with writing, but we'll talk about that as well a bit later. There are some changes to the show. Just to summarise, because of the copyright issue, there will be no more clips or trailers. Thanks a lot, copyright people. Also, to be completely unambiguous from now on that this show is aimed at adults because Apple only believe in black and white. There are no shades of grey. I have changed the iTunes tag to explicit. That's even though I'm not really that much of a swearer. As I said before, I'll talk about those copyright issues a bit later. Other changes. Well, these are some good changes. I'm updating my revisit list. Do you remember? Revisit Reef? Where I watch or read or experience old and retro media and then talk about it. Well, yeah, I'm updating that list. The list is currently on the web page for this show, but having a section that long is too much. And the list is going to grow as well as I get round to revisiting other things, particularly things like Blake 7. That's definitely on the retro watch list. There are also other media like retro games, computers, books. As soon as I cover those topics, they too will join the list, which, if you're in any way technical, you will realise at this point, really should be a relational database. I tried doing this in Excel on separate worksheets, but it doesn't quite work and it's a pain. But... I also want an easy way for the listeners to find the right episode where I've talked about that retro thing, so maybe a table will just have to do. What I found rather incredible when I started to amend this list was that I have just a huge amount of stuff from my background that is geek-related that I have watched, read, or hacked over the years. And it does mean that we will probably never run out of geeky material to talk about on this show. 
So again, that's another reason for yet another apology. Because if we have that much to talk about, maybe I should do the shows more regularly. And I keep promising two episodes a week, and look at this. Two weeks later, one episode. Ah, oh dear. I do have some good news to report, I think. I'm not quite sure, but it feels like good news at the moment. Do you remember the continuing BT Infinity saga? where my BT Infinity was about the same speed as you'd expect from ADSL. And that's because my line has never been working. Even before I had BT Infinity, I had ADSL, and that was very, very slow. And Infinity was faster, but not fast as it should have been, and it disconnected all the time. Anyway, last Friday... The OpenReach engineer came to my home and fiddled around with my fibre setup. He plugged things in and read things off meters and unscrewed things and fitted things and went outside and did some other fiddling. And fingers crossed that after five long, long years of completely rubbish internet connection, I think... At the moment, my connection is finally stable. It doesn't seem to be disconnecting much. Although, I haven't checked my router log yet, so I can't tell for certain. But I don't see the flashing lights on the router that tells me that it's all gone wrong. You know, when you get those amber lights. I'm not sure if it has green lights as well. But anyway, it should be a steady blue. And it was never that. But... Since the repair, it seems to be holding. Fingers crossed. Black Friday is this Friday. Just a couple of days. Friday the 29th of November. Now, I have already bought one or two cheap things. But no really big buys. And that's because this... American exported retail holiday Black Friday largely consists, as far as I can see, of stores dumping stock they can't sell. Sometimes with no reductions at all. Don't always believe the Black Friday hype. You'll also notice that things that are perennial bestsellers are never reduced. My advice is that if the thing that you were going to buy anyway has a further Black Friday reduction, then lucky you, you've done well by accident. Otherwise, I would say be careful of things deliberately, misleadingly labelled as Black Friday bargains. They're often not. I don't think this is the first time I have made this statement at this time of the year. But, yeah, hopefully that will be of help to some of my fellow geeks who are shopping for techno geekery. Just be careful. Some other things to look forward to. Because, as I said before, there's just so much geek to come. There are two specific things that are foremost in my nerdly calendar. First, I am looking forward greatly to Picard. 
Not because The Next Generation was my favourite Star Trek show, but how often do you get an old codger taking the lead? I'm not quite there myself, but it's good to see that even ancient Picard can still saddle up and kick bottom. I'm also looking forward to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker because of course I am. No surprise there at all. As I have said before numerous times in this podcast, this movie will be the culmination of a journey that began back in 1977. Not just for Lucas, but for me and all the other fans. But while we're on the subject of Star Wars, if us fans could only convince the Lucas not to fiddle with episode 4 of Star Wars A New Hope, or as we called it, just Star Wars, in the 1 to 7 4K remasters on Disney+, Plus, he is fiddling around with a scene where Han supposedly shot first and then he didn't shoot first and now I think he's supposed to be shooting at the same time. I don't believe it. George Han shot first. You even wore the t-shirt. You even accepted you were wrong and mocked yourself. Why are you backtracking again? What are you doing? I don't understand. Oh, and before we get into the show, I have to warn you up front that this episode has a few spoilers. Not an excessive amount of spoilers, but enough that I feel that I have to warn you, you have been warned. And let's start off with the culture. Okay, I have been incredibly, incredibly hypocritical. Do you remember when I said that His Dark Materials and Watchmen weren't for me? I stick by that, they're still not for me, but both of those shows... Well, let's start off with His Dark Materials on BBC One. It is beautifully filmed, well acted, and much better than the film. Watchmen also is above average, so I'm watching both. I still think that Watchmen needn't have been set in the Watchmen universe at all. There was no reason for that other than it got fans excited, which I suppose from a business point of view is important, but it seems silly, because the story definitely manages to stand on its own. I remember reading about the Tulsa Massacre years and years ago, but it's one of those things that doesn't stand out much in American history. Whether that's deliberately or not, I couldn't tell you. But seeing it filmed in a TV show really brought it home, and I like the whole retro feel of it, because we're going back now to the Minutemen, the previous superhero group before the Watchmen. And yeah, it's okay. The point is, I'm watching them both, even though I said I wouldn't. Because mainly it's something to do at dinner time. You know, sit down in front of the TV and I have to watch something. I'm not one of those people that can just eat quietly. 
or eat to music. I used to eat and read a book. That was quite enjoyable. But there's something much, much easier and laid back about watching TV when you eat. And that's what I do. And that's my excuse anyway. Although, as you're about to hear, there are other things that I'm still watching. And I said I wouldn't. Okay, here goes. Big confession time. I'm really sorry about this. I am watching the latest season of The Walking Dead. And when I say this, I feel a little dead inside. I feel like a walker. I feel like a zombie. But it is possible fare for TV dinner viewing. And the nights are getting colder. So there's also (laughs) The Punisher, Jessica Jones, Gotham, Legion, all those to finish. Although they are somewhat on the back burner. Just before we end this section, I will say that I think the best thing on TV right now, forget about all those others, is For All Mankind. If you're in any way a space nut, if you're into alternative histories, and you know what? This is an alternate history. A bit like, though completely different to something like Inglorious Bastards, which... It's a very violent revisionist history. Still a feel-good movie, but for a very different reason. This seems to be a fairly feel-good series without any of the violence. I'm quite enjoying that. I'm quite enjoying that. That is English understatement in action. I love the series. Let's move on to War of the Worlds. I'm also enjoying this BBC's take on H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Or, well, I was in the first episode. I think the second episode is a bit bloated. But, yeah. Let's talk about that for a moment. While War of the Worlds is set in the time that it was written, I think it is just as different to the original text but also equally liable as Canal Plus and Fox's recent contemporary adaptation, La Guerre du Monde, which we've already talked about, so I won't go into that. Again, my personal take wildly differs with the average ratings that most people are giving if they're feeling generous, but, and forgive me my ego, but this is a solo podcast, Everyone else is wrong. My justification for this is that the technologically superior Martians, as an allegory for the imperial ambitions of the British Empire, and the female voiceover emphasising warlike mankind, not mankind, speaks to me at a fairly deep level. Some may squirm at that, I suppose, but it's too bad. I'm enjoying the show, and I also enjoy putting Wells and Amy, or as he referred to her in real life, Jane, as well as some of their real-life travails into the picture. And this is done in 
about the same way as H.G. Wells is sometimes injected into other loose adaptations of his work, like George Powell's fantastic The Time Machine from 1960, that I'm sure every single nerd on the planet has already seen. Let's now move on to The Mandalorian. I was a little flustered, as I usually am in every single episode of this pod that I do, and I think I missed explaining the irony that I mentioned. Just a little word of explanation. I'm not actually sure when I used the word irony in what podcast episode, because I've had a look back in my notes. I can't really find anything. But just so you know, I'm giving you a little explanation of something that you probably don't need an explanation for. Back to the show. So here it is now. There is an audio clip from John Favreau's The Mandalorian that got me the YouTube copyright strike. So now, somehow, I have to put aside my personal feelings about the House of Mouse to tell you what I thought about the show. Okay, let's try this. We've already talked about episode one, and by episode two, we are firmly into Lone Wolf and Club slash Shogun Assassin territory. Lone Wolf and Cub was the TV series. Shogun Assassin was like a super cut edit of the TV series into a feature film. They're both really good. Because we have the Mandalorian, the warrior, the Ronin, helped by his very young charge in the pram. Rather, a pram fitted with repulsors. Gravity, anti-gravity repulsors, is that what they use in Star Wars science? Can't remember. But yeah, it's got the same science as the land speeder, so it floats along. And every now and then, the little Yoda baby helps the Mandalorian. So yes, very lone wolf and cub. The music also reinforces that feeling. It's stripped down and bare, and the sparse dialogue as well, and the Earth tones tell me that this is not just a space western like Firefly. It's really a spaghetti western. The Mandalorian might as well just be Clint Eastwood as the man with no name. I also couldn't help noticing a scene where the Mandalorian is almost crushed by the Chawa's sandcrawler, and that is lifted straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And although this was okay as an action piece, it did kind of pull me out of what I was watching, because I was thinking, yeah, you just pulled that straight out of another film. At the same time, there is also a scene where the Mandalorian's inside the sandcrawler, and that was really cool, because... I've always wanted to know what that was like inside, although we only see the control room, the bridge. And yeah, the show is funny as well. I really laughed. We were talking about the sandcrawler. And of course, the scale of the bridge room is 
designed for short Jawas, not tall humanoid Mandalorians. And when he really bongs his helmet (laughs) on the low ceiling, I thought that was really funny. The egg subplot also made me laugh. (laughs) It... (laughs) I've written a really stupid thing in here, in my notes. I've said, the egg subplot also cracked me up. Yeah, let's just move on. Episode 3 ends exactly how you'd expect, with the great big action piece, and Yoda baby just gets cuter and cuter. Oh, man, there's a scene where the Mandalorian returns with Yoda baby and I think there's a bit of a breeze and he's so small but his ears are so long and flappy and they wave gently in the wind and oh dear got me right in the chest. I also think that Nick Nolte's gravelly voice was immediately recognisable in the character who he plays and his presence in the show Though, I don't think it's strictly necessary, because I have already said there are a few too many cameos. It certainly fits in with a Western theme. I'm just glad that they picked him, rather than Jeff Bridges with his weird Western voice that he's developed in old age, which is strange because he's from California. Okay, and that's the Mandalorian. I have spoken. What's an adrenaline junkie bike career to do after a fatal wipeout? How about inheriting a weird box, partnering up with a lethal and sexy reporter, and going on the adventure of a lifetime? Join Geeky X Rocker and his enigmatic partnering crime as they are drawn into the mystery of the century deep in the dark heart of London. It is a secret that will change their lives forever, if it doesn't kill them first. The Horrors Box is a very dark, very funny, fast-paced, action-packed, suspense thriller brimming with pop culture nostalgia and unique characters. If you liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Goonies, National Treasure, and Preston and Child's Agent Pendergast series, you will love this high-octane and explosive page-turner as quirky and British as James Bond and Doctor Who by UK author Roy Martha. Oh, that's me. And this is my book. You can find The Horus Box on Amazon as a Kindle ebook now. Next, let's move on to movies. Since I spoke to you last, I've seen a few. I saw In the Tall Grass. This is a 2019 Netflix horror movie based on Stephen King's and Joe Hill's novella of the same name. Now, I say that King wrote this with his son, but it feels very, very typically King-like, and it also feels like a very run-of-the-mill adaptation about people getting lost in a field. In the Tall Grass struck me quite strongly as a sort of movie you would get if you mixed Stephen King's Children of the Corn from 1984, the movie, adaptation, with Triangle from 2009. It's okay, but hardly memorable. 
And that's in the tall grass. And by the way, as I always do when I mention that 2009 film, Triangle, I recommend, if you are in any way a horror buff, that you seek that out. Triangle is just so good. Next, we have Ang Lee's Gemini Man. So long in development and finally realised. And... My main thought is, if this was something that came out in the 80s, I think we would have been much less critical. However, as something that has come out in 2019, I think its morals are muddled, something that we wouldn't even have blinked about in the 1980s. When we meet Will Smith, the protagonist, the man has already killed, as he says, 72 times. He says his conscience is now heavy with all this killing, and that's why he's retiring, but then contradicts himself by saying his sniper skills are getting sloppy with age. So it's not the fact that he's killed so many people, it's the fact that he is getting sloppy about the killing. Make up your mind! And while we're on the subject of me pontificating about the moral core of this movie, I'm also not convinced that within the context of this weird, supposed, but not really, moral higher ground, neither Will Smith nor the clone would have killed the adoptive father. They certainly wouldn't want to have celebrated the mass murder with that weird cheery ending that comes almost right after this massive massacre. Let's get to the raison d'etre for this movie, and that is Ang Lee pushing the technological boundaries of filmmaking. I think Will Smith and his clone are fairly well done throughout the movie until... We get to that last very happy, jarring scene. It's even more jarring and throws us right off the cliff, plummeting us face first into the uncanny valley when the CGI clone is seen in daylight. It is really bad. I don't know why they decided to do that scene in daylight. It was a risk. Because if there's too much lighting, these things just don't work. They haven't worked so far. I haven't seen one movie in which it's worked well, apart from maybe... Oh, what was it? Oh yeah, Captain Marvel. When they de-age Samuel L. Jackson. But in the J.J. Star Wars films, that hasn't worked well. Princess Leia was really weird. Grand Moff Tarkin, really weird. And it's just not up there yet. As for the whole frame rate thing, well, I just watched it the normal way, so I couldn't really comment about that. I did notice some scenes were filmed for 3D, and that was a bit odd if you see the film in a non-3D setting. You think, why did they do that scene? But yeah, I don't think all in all it's a terrible film, but... Technological geekery aside, I think the era for this type of hollow action movie was the 80s, and that 
Time has long, long gone. What else? Oh, next. Okay, Ocean's 8. Yeah, I finally got round to seeing this. This is a 2018 sequel to the Steven Soderbergh's 2001 to 2007 reboots of the Rat Pack 1960 film Ocean's 11. This time we're leaving behind the George Clooney and Brad Pitt-led cast to an all-female cast starring Sandra Bullock as Danny Ocean's con woman sister and Kate Blanchett as her cool Brad Pitt, I'm assuming, like partner in crime. I think it's a slick film with a really great looking and very charismatic all-star female cast who I think are actually better actresses than their male counterparts in the previous films. And I'm not saying that just to get down with the sisters, I really mean that. They are really good actors. And that's part of the problem, because unfortunately, the film unrolls very formulaically as a straight crime caper. I thought that the actresses' talents were wasted by the script. I mean, with that much talent, what I can't understand is why the writers didn't ramp up the comedy when they figured out who the cast would finally be. Perhaps it's something that I'm not taking into account, like scheduling. But as a writer, I often side with the scriptwriters. But in this case, when the casting was finalised, someone should have realised that this much talent, maybe it's worth tweaking the script. But like I said, maybe it was a time constraint. I don't know. The movie, as it is, is entertaining, but ultimately, and I've said this in the show notes, humdrum. Not sure if I've used that word before in the podcast. And light and mildly comedic drama slash heist movie. Not terrible, but not something that's one of those event films that you would have needed to go to the cinema to see back in 2018. But now it's 2019. Again, maybe dinner time viewing. Certainly better dinner time viewing than Gemini Man. Let's move on to the creative section. And the main topic this week is that copyright chaos that I experienced. After one copyright strike on YouTube and several copyright claims, thanks to the vile content ID system, which is probably the worst use of AI ever conceived, I realised how pointless it was to distribute my podcast on that platform. It just wasn't worth the bother anymore. It's not that onerous, but it's another stage to podcasting, and if I'm not uploading it to YouTube, will I lose that many listeners? I don't think so. I've only got 19 YouTube subscribers, and also YouTube have said that they might chop accounts of people who aren't making them enough money, and I don't work for YouTube, so they can get stuffed. But it was very traumatic for me. 
even though I don't have that many subscribers. I can only imagine the horribleness of trying to deal with this if you are a career YouTuber and you're making money on YouTube and it's supporting your living nightmare. Even though I wasn't in that boat, I was still sad and upset. And I despair tweeted something you shouldn't really do. It's like drunk tweeting. Don't do that. I also seriously considered editing every single episode of the podcast, not on YouTube, but the normal podcast, and remove everything that was completely not my own, fair use or not, because who knows what fair use really is. That was until wiser words, well, you know what, my mum. I talked to my mum and she said, do not destroy your podcast. And so I decided to leave the older episodes of the podcast exactly as they were. Unfortunately, America's and Britain's and the Economic Union and all the other equally weird, conflicting and greedy copyright legislation from around the world make one massive content-destroying boulder, which may remind you of a certain film. Now... The fact that I've mentioned that film in the context of my podcast, does that mean I'm dangerously skirting the copyright rules? Who knows? Alright, I'm just being a bit silly. But you see what I mean? You see, once you start worrying about copyright because of the copyright strikes and you stew and you sulk and you think about it and you think, should I take everything I've done before out, completely destroy the work I've already done, you can see where it can lead you. <laughs> and this is insane because I thought the copyright rules were supposed to protect creatives, not handcuff them. And if by this point you're thinking I'm a bit naive, you're right. I probably am. Ah, yes. The world is not just made of candy floss. And then the other thing I thought when I was going down that thought path of negativity thinking remove all the copyrighted stuff well then how about fonts i have used or icons or favicons or photos taken with my smartphone accidentally featuring some geezer in the background who just happens to be wearing a pair of nikes does that mean i'm infringing copyright I don't know. But I was definitely at the point where I thought that just walking down the street and having a thought was infringing copyright. But like I said, in the end, I did not nuke anything from Orbit. Yes, I've done it again. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sure I'm allowed to say that because it's inserted itself into the cultural zeitgeist. But wait, am I sure that's not copyright infringement? I don't know. I just don't know. Oh. Anyway, what I did was instead take a more reasonable, non-obsessive or destructive course of action. And that was deciding to eliminate trailers and clips entirely from all future shows. You see, it isn't just Google's YouTube 
that is passing on their troubles with greedy, grasping megacorps to their users. Oh no. I did some reading, and it is apparently every tech platform. Facebook, Twitter, Apple, even good old WordPress. Read their terms of service, because I have for a couple of those. And they all have rather strict rules regarding copyright. And they all have copyright strikes and all sorts of nasty things that can mess you up. Do you remember how those same companies encouraged us to take part in online demonstrations regarding copyright? Do you remember those blacked out banners? What was all that for? Because it seems that every tech company has just caved. The one counter-argument to this, and I have unthinkingly and stupidly used it myself, and that argument is, hey, if you don't want to follow their rules, build your own platform. Now let me explain why this is unbelievably stupid. Have you read the terms and conditions of your web host? Okay, what about another tack? What about... Alright, how about running your own web server? Surely that's okay. Wait a minute, you do remember that your own web servers are running on the internet, and they're running on the internet thanks to your internet service provider. Do you see what's happening now? We are screwed. I hope we're not screwed. But, you know what? I changed my iTunes tag to explicit, so I can now say that. Although I'm pretty sure I must have said that in the past. Who knows? But yeah, copyright. Not really to protect the little people, it's to protect the hugely wealthy media corporations. Let's move on to something a little less annoying. I am writing again. Do you remember at the top of the show when I said that I was vegging out to too much TV? Well, this could be the solution. I may, in fact, reduce my amount of TV. In fact, I already have reduced my amount of TV this week, and that is also part of the reason that I delayed the podcast. Yeah, I've been writing again. I'm over worrying about the sales of my last novel, though expect somewhere in this episode that mid-roll ad for you to buy my book, hint hint, the Horus box, I am writing again. Yes, I started on Monday, but I was so out of practice with going to the place of writing that I left my laptop glasses at home, which meant I drove all the way there and instead just had to do a month of paperwork, squinting at the paperwork rather than writing at my laptop, which was all I could manage. On the other hand, yesterday I did write. I remembered my glasses and I did some writing. But that mainly consisted of picking up where I left off back in September when I published the novel. On Kindle, by the way. (laughs) It's a really good novel. You'll like it. It's very exciting. Okay, I'm overdoing this. But yeah, I'm writing again. And I hope you are. I know some of the NaNoWriMo's are also writing this month. 
I think it's coming to the end of the month, isn't it? Yeah, it's 27th now. I think it's just November. And man, they have sent me a lot of email. What's that about? But yeah, I am coincidentally writing again in the same month that everyone else is doing NaNoWriMo. If you're also a creative and you're sitting back and you're thinking, "Mm," like I tend to do, don't do that. Go out and do something. And that is it. That is it for the show. We're finished. And now I've got a lot of editing to do, and this should be out sometime tomorrow. I'm waffling. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, although I'd prefer that you did that on Apple Podcasts, and recommend it to a friend. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Acronominize to Crash. I'm not sure that's really a word. Acronominize. And it is the UK, the UK, actually. I like saying the putting the emphasis on the, because it annoys all my fellow geek podcasters from the UK. The UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode number 289, recorded on Wednesday, the 27th of November, 2019. And the time at the end of the show is 22.44.17. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! Oh, and you may have noticed no theme music this week. That's because I'm working on some jingles and stings, and you should hear them fairly soon. So that's why you have a cold open this week. And no theme music at the end either. Really, bye now. Bye.